No one will be admitted after the guests check in. That starts the episode. Borf, Borf! Gorf, Gorf. It's the Borf and Mindy show. The Borf and Mindy show? Yeah. That's not okay. He's dead. Oh. Alright. Are you actually ready to start? Yes. Are you just holding your brand new iPhone 15 in front of me? Just... It's like an with iPhone... Your extra cameras. iPhone X, I think? I don't even know. You're an iPhone X. Yeah. I'm uh, just getting up the movie details, so... Oh, God! Yeah. Go, go. Go for it. Let them know what we're doing. Welcome to Motel Hell, your 10th favorite podcast that occasionally uploads. My name is Ben the Beardo. And my name is Dick the Fetty. Do I have to change it because I don't? I'm, I haven't been rocking a beard recently, or is it is it fine? No, I think at this point the branding has taken care of itself. So that's true. I'm gonna grow it back in the winter when it's colder out. Sure. It's just really gross to have a beard and try to wear an N95 in a hot hospital. Yeah. So um, yeah, guys, we're finally here to finish our Shinya Sukamoto episodes. No, no, no. We're uh, finishing the seventh part of the Lucio Fulci retrospective series, where we started with his comedies and then ended with his unintentional comedies. You mean that that one that we bought those really expensive books for and still haven't done? To be fair, we've done a lot of movie stuff recently. I don't know if that uh, it'll happen. Well, recently, in just the like our Cthulhu episode. <laughs> recently, in the sense of the episodes that came out in the sequence, but recently, as far as actual time goes. Yeah, that's fair. Not true. I mean, I just assume that all of the listens we get are all new people, so they just listen through our whole backlog. They go from the shitty sounding, terrible early year and a half to the somewhat moderately a little bit better. Mm -hmm. They have a mic, and then two years later, like we actually figured out how to correctly position the mic. And then they're like, where'd the woman go? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, by the, she was gone by the time we got the mic. I think we did like the first the first real episode was was when she had left and we had a mic. And we definitely didn't kill her. No, she's married to me to yeah. this day. And for all of those people who have been with us since the beginning, I did pull my copy of Mothman Prophecies off of my bookshelf yesterday. So oh, great! It will. <laughs> it's it, it's it's just oh lord. Um... Yeah. Just like our H.P. Lovecraft episode. No, I I mean, whatever. I feel like that's a non-teaser because that's such an obvious topic for us to cover, whereas the Mothman... I mean, we've been talking about the Mothman for four years now. We've been five. talking about five. Cthulhu mythos for just as long. Right, but we didn't say we would start doing H.P. Lovecraft until maybe two years ago. Mm. So, But, I mean, think about it. We started in 2017. It's now been a full five years we've been doing this. And we're not famous yet. No, we're not even good at it. And, uh, <laughs> nor are we consistent. Um, I think we developed our format, you know, after two years or so. Um, yeah, once we kicked the dead weight off the podcast. Yeah, that, and also we just sort of streamlined it so that we can put all of our side thoughts onto the other episodes. But, you know, you're still going to hear us sip coffee. You're still going to hear us 
gag on our spit when we've got a bunch of snus in our mouth and yeah listen you guys aren't gonna get that stuff cut out until we have at least one sponsor (laughs) yeah we need a professional editor who's gonna like figure out how to compress the audio like make our voices sound consistently good have more than one mic yeah have (laughs) more than one mic have the mic set up even more appropriately you know any of those things the fact that Yeah, they're really going at it. <laughs> they are. The that's fa- why you guys come here, though. That's the fact that we get out so many of the ums and the mouth clicking sounds. It sounds like we don't, but imagine what it sounds like if I was to release it raw. I know. I've had so many people say to me, "Why don't you guys video record the podcast?" Oh, jeez. And I, I'm like, I'm just no. We can't. We we literally can't do that. We take like forty five minute breaks, like. 45 minutes oh, into no. Well, that's not an issue, because I've, I've watched some podcasts no, that are primarily video-based, but it's also just not to my taste. Like, I hate watching people talk. It's not for me. I would much rather just listen to it. But, yeah. Anyways, so we're back. It's been, you know, whatever. You've had another kid. You had another kidney. You got a new job. Life's you got a good. new job. Yeah, I got a new job. Uh, I think, I think maybe we've recorded one since I got the new job, but either way, my car broke down. I fixed my car for $5, which was a personal victory. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Bolt Thrower. We'll maybe get to that later. But yeah, we've got a movie to talk about and a series to finish on Technical Itch. So let's talk about the movie. Lone Wolf and Cub, colon, Sword of Vengeance. 1972 by Kenji Misumi. Yeah, this is this is there's three samurai comics I've always wanted to pick up. Uh, I'm sorry, manga. Oh, manga. That I've always wanted to pick up, but for whatever reason, never pulled the trigger on. It's Lone Wolf and Cub, Vagabond, and um, uh, was it Immortal Samurai? Im- Immortal Soul. Uh, Blade of the Immortal? Yeah, Blade of the Immortal. Blade of the Immortal, which um, uh, Takashi Miike made a movie of, which I liked. I don't think you've seen that one. No, it's supposed to be really good. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, Definitely a Takashi Miike film, though. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this is one of those ones that... And we we had our samurai kick, like, a while ago now, too. Two years, yeah. So, we were looking at all the movies, and I've been feeling real Japanese-y recently, so... We decided not to do a horror movie and to do one of the most, I wouldn't say it's the best, but one of the most fun samurai movies I've ever seen. Yeah. I I would say, honestly, and I apologize for the dogs, there's nothing we can do about it, so you'll just have to deal. We tried to drown them and they grew gills or something we could do. They're like uh, sort of the hounds from uh, Stalker, the video game series, but... Anyway, yeah, I mean, I think that as far as samurai films goes, the, the nice and one of the more famous things about it is that it's very violent. It's also surprisingly gory, where a lot of the more famous and... Uh, Classic? Yeah, like, you know, Japanese new wave directors who tried their hand in, in Jigadaki and Shen, Shenbara cinema had much more of like a... Blood was occasionally the exclamation mark, whereas, like, blood here is, like, the medium. So you get some scenes early on. Uh, the lone wolf butchers some people, and, like, sword blades go through necks. Necks explode with blood. Like, I mean, the tip of a sword pierces and goes through. You know, it's just all this craziness. 
So I watched this originally. It's manga logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's and it's also easy to understand why it was one of even though the original film was cut up with the second film into like its the initial US release, it's actually Frankenstein of the first two films in the series. It's easy to see why people would be like, oh, and have such fond cult memories of it. In the same way as uh, Five Deadly Venoms or Street mm. Fighter or other like famous martial arts films that also had a lot of bull of extremity that wasn't really seen mm-hmm. before. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's interesting. It reminds me in some ways because it's very much of the same spirit in, in a lot of ways as um, Female Prisoner, Scorpion, yada, yada, yada. Where it's there's a little bit of psychedelic flair from that late '60s, early '70s era, mostly just in the intro for this, yeah. but still like a nice kind of there's a vibrancy to the visuals, and there's also really rich and even more extreme versions of the kind of characters of you know bad samurais and bandits and prostitutes and all that kind of stuff, and it tells what is partially you know it it does some time flipping between present and past and that kind of thing but it gets pretty ironed out by the end it's not particularly confusing and it's just a tight nice little story with a classic and his journey goes on you know kind of a thing and so it's like they could tell as many stories as they want i think there's six movies in the original series so yeah it had me thinking is this the most successful live action manga adaptation ever I don't know, but I would say, as far as long-running samurai series, Zatoichi definitely has it beat by a substantial margin. But well, I'm just talking about like because you watch people try to make live-action stuff out of manga all the time, and outside of like but Ichi the, the, the Killer, I thought this came before the manga, or was it the other way around? No, this was this is based on the manga. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'd have to look it up, but I'm near positive the manga is sure. older. Could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like we can keep the review short, or at least I will from my part, and say, on second watch, I liked it just as much, as, if not more, than the first time. It's It's got all the tropes, but they're done really well, and the lead character does stoic, older, over-the-hill samurai executioner perfectly. Um, he is not the most handsome guy to look at. He's no Toshiro Mifune or anything like that, but it's part of what makes it a little bit better because like, he's not even a handsome, likable ruffian. He's just like a kind of portly old guy who knows how to swing a fucking sword. This is why I want you to watch Hanzo the Razor so bad with me because it's, it's, it's that same thing that I love where it's like definitely not in shape guy. The most badass swordsman ever though. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's. It's insanity in, in that, like, something like that wouldn't be made today. No, no. There, you'd be like, where's your bankable star? Yeah, where, where's the hot guy? Even in modern Japanese movies, they're not yeah. going to put a guy who could probably put on a little makeup and make a live-action ugly bastard porno. Yeah. But we won't get into how much I like angry or uh, ugly bastard hentai right now. It's a good movie. It's fun. Um... Lots of blood, lots of action. It's not long. Uh, I've been watching a lot of long movies, which is great, but also can kind of take it out of you. Uh, but it, it's just it's just fun samurai stuff with like really cool, decently well thought out gore gags. Like how they even like he cuts off one dude at the legs, and they even like cut 
part of his outfit to drop too, which yeah. like that's attention to detail, man. Like I'm just gonna say it. Like that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It definitely is the much in the way that Lady Snowblood or when we watched um, Samurai Spy. Mm-hmm. I think it was yeah, 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 the Shinoda film. Yeah, where Shino- like that was a little bit less. Definitely less on the visceral, like, gore and blood. But between the the style of the action and the overall style, it was like, oh, man. Like, this so obviously influenced things like Ninja Scroll or other classic, what I think of as being, like, you know, the classic super violent samurai anime we got here. Where it's just like, oh, they did this in the 60s or they did this in the 70s in these badass movies, but so much less violently. And then you see Ninja Scroll, you know... Constantly, people get torn in half and their halves fall. And so. We've had a lot of old man moments on this series, and I was trying to explain to someone the violent OVA era of anime and its direct-to-video uh, ascension, and they're like, "What?" And yeah. I'm like, "You're too young." I hate you don't it. even know what a videotape is, you fucking moron. <laughs> Yeah, the idea that Ninja Scroll means nothing to probably everybody five years younger than us and younger than that is just like. That was like that was the touchstone. Ghost in the Shell, Ninja Scroll, and Akira. Like if you if you saw any one of those, then you knew anime, and that was all you really needed to know. Back in my day, you had to go to a shitty mall and ask the guy at some random comic <laughs> book shop for a bootleg videotape yeah. of some anime. You had to go to Suncoast Video and, and then pay eventually, $40 you for could... two episodes on one tape of a show that was edited for America. You could go on a website that had a bunch of pornography <laughs> yeah. ads that might give your computer AIDS and had fan subs that may or may not be doing an actual <laughs> translation. Yeah. Now you kids with your crunchy rollers and your yeah. and your fun imaginations. I just wish Kiss Anime was back. So, Kiss Anime was less trouble than going into Crunchyroll, which speaks volumes. Oh <laughs> I just love that Crunchyroll is now owned by Sony, and their app for their console. Is fucking trash. Yeah. They own Crunchyroll. Yeah. Have they optimized it? No. Yeah. Well, that's like, I know it's definitely gotten a little bit better, but HBO Max was for so long. Constantly, my streams would get, if I tried to pause anything, it would crash if I tried to play it again. I'd when try to search stuff. Out, yeah. yeah. Well, even like a year ago, because I remember when we watched Band of Brothers, I was trying to watch it on. HBO Max, and it kept crashing, so I just bought it on Amazon. I was like, I can't deal with this. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to deal with this. So. Anyway, we Tech. recommend it. Tech Itch! Tech Itch! Tech Itch! All right, Tech Itch! So, yeah, it's funny. In between these three episodes, I've gone through such a huge fluctuation of, like, music habit, listening habits, you know, whatever. I was in a big drum and bass uh, mood, I think right after our last episode and then up until a couple months ago when I hard snapped over into, uh, Japanese harsh noise and right now a lot of bolt thrower. So, but that's typical of the summer for me. We left off with the rising EP on moving shadow MSX EP 19 from 2002, uh, part of the MSX series, which was limited edition double EPs uh, that typically had, you know, if not outright classics, real bangers on it. This was 
one of the last really good NSX ones, in my opinion. And and for those who are haven't listened in a while and are coming back, or this is the first time you're hearing it, so I now, what was seven or eight, six, nine, ten, twelve months ago, I don't even remember when we fucking originally planned this, but I think it was like last fall. But um, We'd been saving this one, but then we, we did the... What do we, we did a music episode not that long ago, so we decided to put it off. Yeah. So I went through and listened to basically all these records in preparation for doing this. I wrote thoughts on the records contemporaneous with listening to them. So even though we're only going to be playing a handful of songs tonight, the reflections of these records hopefully will at least guide you a little bit. And also tonight's going to be a little different because we're going to be getting through a much larger span of time because right, you know, so far we've basically covered 96 to 2002 and we're now going to cover 2002 to present. Um, but there's also a lot less records to talk about. So, uh, so the next EP is the Diagene EP. And for me, this was my first disappointment, uh, from tech Hitch, And I bought this when it came out. I remember I accidentally tried to buy, I was trying to like, look at something on eBay that was for a white label copy and then I just like bought it but this is before I had PayPal or anything like that so it was like I accidentally well I did like a buy now I'm doing air quotes because this is a non-visual medium and I have to tell them about it now sure sure so I did like a buy now but then I didn't have that money I was was like you know maybe it'll work 15 no I didn't mean to like I didn't understand what was going to happen and then so i just emailed the guy and he's like oh whatever it was fine but i just still remember it to this day uh it's the songs are long the drums are less intense and they it's starting to get into this kind of influence of a little bit more tech step a little bit more techno almost which is tech step in a sense and the next release is very much in line with this which is his a collaboration with Kamal called The Calling and Signal Trace. And these are like trance and slash techno infected drum and bass tracks. And the synth work is cool. And also the Diagene has uh, the song Critical Switch on it with MC Jakes, which is really good. Always nice to hear him. But it's just like not as good. And I will say that over the years, I've grown to like it more and more. I still don't think of it as a classic, but... I think just like, especially where he went with some of his stuff later on, was so much more not to my taste that this EP is like, oh no, this is still pretty good and um, all that. But yeah, the calling and signal trace are are very long, <laughs> first and foremost. Both of the songs are like at the eight minute mark and uh, signal trace has this really cool part where at the second breakdown... So, like, in the song, there's this, like, call and response with the sense, and it's like, but the the sort of sample in the song title is like, trace, signal, trace, signal, and there's this part where it does this little breakdown, does that bit, and then it does this, like, really heavy, but, like, more um, simplified version of the call and response with the sense, and that's cool, but I'm like minute six into the song at this point, <laughs> and it's just, especially the drum programming is what's you know got me into Techich so much, and you know kind of from this point forward, a lot of these there's going to be a lot of sort of steps into more synth oriented, more rollers, whatever stuff that just doesn't keep the interest for me 
as much. But it's not all bad by any stretch of the imagination. And the next one is Penetration 8. Uh, and my description for this is absolutely disgusting. Destroy, which is the A-side, is an industrial drum and bass nightmare. Oddly similar drums to Dom and Roland's Imagination VIP. Who did it first? I don't know. But it's still fucking punishing percussion and massive bass that always gets my dick hard. And the midway breakdown is fucking rotten to the core. Altivex, which is the B-side, is the type of classic acid roller I expect from Penetration. So I'm going to play a little bit of Destroy because this is unlike basically anything else in his discography and is remains one of my all-time favorites, both for its uniqueness and also because, as I described it, fucking rotten, dick hard bass, yada yada. Destroy. It's, it's like, it, it feels almost like a British Murder Boys track in some ways, where it's this kind of like broken beat, heavy techno vibe in a lot of it, and there's this weird second breakdown that may or may not be in the sample I post, and it's just, even though it's mostly 2-4 and kind of lockstep, like it, it's different, and I really, really appreciate the kind of like wild strike out, and um, out in the left field. So that's Penetration 8. And one of the, the last penetration. Yeah, if you will. One of the last package records I bought before I sort of took a long step away from drum and bass. So approximately next. Oh no, no, it's definitely next. This is I think when my dates start to get a little bit more uh wonky? No, better, better, more consistent. Uh penetration nine, so this is Don't Go and Twist and Shout, which are 
way more simplified, feel like party songs. And, you know, they've got like, again, cool, heavy synth stuff, but it's basically just not that interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there, this is the second to last, one of the last records to have unique art. Oh, I guess we already covered that. It was 14, I think is the number. So it's okay. Uh, as far as collecting penetration records, definitely not. I don't think high on the list. Uh, shortly thereafter, there was a re-release of the Ryzen, but as a single 12-inch. So you get the original, the Ryzen, which we played last time, and then uh, a remix by Subwave, who are a Russian DMB duo. They did two amazing 12-inches on Techage Recordings, and then they went into more tech-steppy, less interesting, sort of like TB, uh, subtitles-style Techage stuff that just doesn't really do it for me. Um, this remix of The Rising's okay, but it's just, like, not nearly as good as the original. Then we get The Legend with Dylan and Quad with Trace. It's a collab split 12-inch on Tekich Recordings. The Legend with Dylan samples The Highlander, so that's awesome. Well, yeah, because The Highlander's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so there's this... The, the, the build-up and breakdown... Like, especially the first drop is really good. I'm not going to play that just because of time constraints, but it's got this huge mega drop, and I have a a lot of uh, fond memories connected to that. And then Quad is a remake of this classic rave tune called Quadrophonia, and DJ Trace, who runs the Decipher label, uh, he's got typically more of, like, a tech step with a little bit of trance... um, he had early releases from Black Sun Empire and Cause for Concern and stuff like that. And while a lot of times I don't like that style, this song is really good. Part of it's basically, it's just like a bigger version of Quadrophonia, which is a really good rave song. Right. But this has some has some nice drops, but they're not really the focus. It's more about these huge acidy rave synths, big sawtooth shit, and that rules. Speaking of Trace, so... He put out his, I believe it was the first album on the label, his compilation of artists called 23 Degrees from Vertical. I have the mix CD, which has the songs that Tekich does uh, for his part of the comp, plus some other Tekich songs on there. It's It's got some really good early Black Sun Empire, Skynet, and Kamal songs, uh, some of their best work. That comes out towards November 2003. It's okay. Uh... The Tekich outing there isn't my favorite, but uh, it's it reminds me a lot of Altered Beast with, was it Ice Minus, I think that track is with? But, yeah. Okay, but then we have our next big one. And this was, this is like one of the last Tekich 12 inches I remember making really big waves. This is Penetration 10, which is Pressure Drop, uh, maybe the last of the Mega Amen Smasher anthems that Tekich ever did. It's got MC Jakes. Uh, it's got, much like the Ruckus, it's got this amazing first drop and an even better second drop. And then the backside is uh, Shadow Demon, which is very similar to Contamination, which we talked about last episode, which is on Penetration 6, which is just like wild, like crazy drums and just like this super frantic pace. Uh, I am going to play Pressure Drop because it's a fucking classic. I'm going to play the second drop because it's the fucking best part. And this shit is just... It's its had multiple remixes over the years. And I... 
they all have their charms. They're all really good. It's like the the baseline track is so good, it's kind of almost hard to fuck up. So, fair point. Pressure drop, two thousand and three. That was pretty fucking good. Yeah. yeah. What did you? What, what about you? What do, what do you think? Not to put words in your mouth. It's not the first time you try to put something in my mouth. Not even tonight. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't even have an app description anymore. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, I remember hearing that there was a Knowledge Mix CD that came with Knowledge Magazine, I think we've talked about previously, that had it, and uh, it was showing up online on mixes. And I was like, oh, fuck, this, this, this record. This was one I didn't get, though, for years and years. It was, like, after I had mostly stopped buying 12 inches. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, you get in that second drop, and it's, like, you've got your squiggly, high-up acid line, your huge, like, just deeper and deeper basses, then your amen kicks in, then you get, like, a trayman on top of it. That, that part's not even as interesting as far the, as the drums, and the first drop is more of the feel the pressure drop. Feel the pressure drop. Honestly, oddly enough, and this, what it makes me want to do is to be back in the Poconos with you. Ooh, yeah, that makes sense. A little bit chilly out during the fall. We should do that. Yeah. Well, actually, we're talking about doing that for um, 
some of the guys I play Counter-Strike with, we're going to maybe run a place a year from now in October to um, set up a big LAN party situation, do paintballing, do all that. So. Oh, no, fuck the paintball. I, I meant, like, we bring the women out there, and then when their sleepyheads go to sleep, we just play loud music and play video games, and then we go for scary dark drives with loud yeah, musical. That, when we rocketed home Ooh, from the... Ooh, man, it was yeah, foggy out, yeah. too. That was That was good. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. This this brings back memories for me. I still remember playing DDR, and my buddy was playing, and I'm like practicing while I'm listening to this, just like shake my feet a lot, and you know, practicing in quotes, really hitting a crack bowl in the corner. No, this was right before we started doing drugs, so it was you know, <laughs> um, we were primed and ready. All right, penetration eleven. The green, which samples the Hulk and is lame, and soldiers. <laughs> Which is one of my least favorite Techage songs, so it gets five remixes. Which Hulk does it sample? Uh, the f- the the TV show? No, the Ang Lee one. I think was the the one with um, Edward Norton. It was the less bad one. Yeah, but still. Yeah. Then we get the Calling VIP, which is also worse than the original, uh, and is I'm just like I don't even need to buy that. So that takes us on to Penetration 12, and we're still, we're now in 2004. How many Penetration albums are there, Dick Betty? 24. 24, so we're halfway through them. Yeah. Well, they're not albums, they're 12-inch singles, but yeah, give me that fucking look. So this is the first remix of Soldiers, which is better than the original remix, but not as good as many other Techage songs. And then we get the... Cryptic Minds and Leon Switch remix of Pressure Drop, which is good, but not as good as the original, for my personal taste. Um, I hope he doesn't just sit around listening to like whatever podcast covers him. The first like two episodes, he'll be like, dude, I love these guys. And he's going to get to the third episode and be like, yo, fuck that dick Fetty, dude. Yeah, that guy's an opinionated asshole. I mean, look, I'm just being honest. How many 12-inch singles, which are definitely not albums, does he put out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, so many cassettes, bro. Uh, so many. Yeah. But, no, I mean, and th- that's the point of this series is, like, I love Techich regardless, and we're going to get into some really good work again, but I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to lie about, you know, where I see the quality of his stuff going. And it's also, uh, some of it's a matter of taste. Like, there's Skull Step stuff we're going to get into in a second, which I really like, but a lot of people would say is trashy Skull Step. So, but... This is this is neither. So Cryptic Minds and Leon Switch were kind of the types of Eastern European dudes who picked up the torch or like kind of were inspired by Tekich from the years prior. And so they have I think they have one twelve inch on his label, then they had their own label Defcon, then I think they had another label. They eventually also went into like D and B later and now uh the one guy records his Simon Shreve and does uh like sort of dark ambient industrially techno stuff he also does the monic moniker which is like gray area stuff and he's still recording and producing and doing some really quality work and some stuff that feels a lot like i get that this is designed for like cool german collectors but it's at the end of the day not that interesting and their drum and bass work some of it's really good i have uh this 112 inch lucky star and the vein that is not groundbreaking, but very solid dark step, um, among some other work by them. But yeah, their their version of Pressure Drop here is pretty good. I like their version of the Ruckus a lot too, which we'll get to in a minute. 
But yeah, so that's penetration 12. Then we have penetration 13. Didn't so, see that coming. Yeah. So this is Life of Sin, which is uh, MC Jake's on vocals again. And as I describe it here, it's that pots and pound, pots, <laughs> the pots and pans heavy drum sound with evil MC Jake's vocals, pitch black synth stabs, gnarled bass. And then the B side is Dream Strike, which is a huge roller of the best kind that samples the show sliders. So I'm going to play Life of Sin because it fucking rules and sliders, bro. Yeah, that that song is awesome. Dream Strike rules. Um, this is one of my favorite of any of the penetrations. I'm trying to remember. I heard this in some uh, some online mix. I forget if this was like the mix he did with Chris SU, but I remember hearing it. This was like by the time I heard this, either right before or right after I was getting into drugs and doing a lot of speed and I was like, yes, I live a life of sin and keep smiling. I identify with these lyrics. So here we go. Used to do drugs? Yeah, weirdly enough. about that then how would you describe that drum sound what is a drum sound pots and pans partner oh right we're doing an episode i'm sorry dick fetty showed me the uh the actual album and i got kind of lost in the sauces they say yeah tell me tell me about what's that what's that 12 inch look like uh it is a tasteful recreation <laughs> of starry night by vincent van gogh Gah. Um, no, it's, uh, oh, God, 
I'm a, I'm a fake porn fan and a fake Japanese porn fan. The fuck do they call the, the rope work? Yeah. It's that, but the lady's hanging, f- hanging in the air, and she's nude and covered in what I assume <laughs> is, is semen. <laughs> is, is a completely consensual fluid... And then she's stuffed with dildos, is she not? Uh, no. Oh, she's not? I thought no, she was. No, it's a can. Oh. She has a can in her vagina. Yeah, so a dildo. Uh, I mean, anything's a dildo if you're brave enough. Correct. But, um, I'm trying to make out, like, what's in the background, and I see a foot? Uh, I think it's just this, I think it's just it reprinted on the background. Yeah, 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 it's just doubled up. But, uh... Yeah, this is definitely the most graphic. I'm actually fixing my balls. I'm not touching myself, Dick Fetty. you gotta do. Um, but I am going to touch myself later. Sure. So, yeah, so this is... No, you can't have this back. Okay, fair enough. Um, one of the... One of my favorite sleeves from the Penetration series. It's way more... Where a lot of them... It's definitely the most graphic I've seen. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, it's it's one of the... The more graphic sleeves, for sure. It's also one of the darker... I mean, all the songs are sort of dark by Tekich, but this this one, well, you just heard. So this is also like the beginning of the Skull Step era stuff. Not everything oh, he yeah. does is like this, but um, this is definitely a highlight uh, in that style, and it makes me want to do fat rails every time I listen to it. So I hope you guys are getting all of these mouth sounds from this dog who's licking my hand right yeah, now. Yeah, he's going fucking nuts. So, Penetration 14. Uh, so... I have here very good, but somehow starting to lack that special something. Tracks are starting to get shortened uh, and follow a more techno-style structure rather than the double-drop D&B style. Uh, in hindsight, I would say this is better than 99% of drum and bass that was coming out in 2004. And it is good, but it's not as good uh, as as things Techage had done previously. Then we get... Uh, nothing backed with Rough, Rugged, and Raw by Technical Itch. The original artist, um, I'm sorry, that's like the Tech Itch remix. The original artist is Mason and Armani Rain. Nothing is, again, Pots and Pans Drums Abuse. Uh, it's decent. It's not my favorite. It's got some weird druggy vibes, and that's pretty cool. Like, kind of a weird structure to it. But the Rough, Rugged, and Raw is. I think the thing I would most describe it to be like is the song Destroy because it's kind of this jilted, broken, but like very pounding version of this track, which was the original version was big in like 2003, 2004. Good stuff for sure. <clears throat> and a quality tech of remix. Then we have uh, Penetration 15. So Penetration 15 is another version of Soldiers by D-Bridge and then Mason's remix of The Green. I just have no... As my single note <laughs> on that. No. Not a fan. Penetration 15. Inner Journey and... No, I'm sorry. That's 16. Is Inner Journey and Hex. This is uh, very similar to Penetration 14, which has, I think, uh, The Hand, and I forget the other track. Oh, you sniffing on the mic. <laughs> Buddy. <Look. laughs> Sorry, guys. This is so rough. They, these dogs are just being very badly behaved, and I can only kick them out so far. The, the further we push them from us, the more they'll bark very loudly, so this is the lesser evil. I want you to know that I just watched Fox shed a single tear Yeah, as you said that. <laughs> I don't want to go. I'm very good at that love. So, yeah. 
it's better. It's got really nice synth and bass work. There are some clever uh, dropouts in the drums and filters. Good stuff. Then we get the remix EP on Technical Itch Recordings. This is number 43. This is uh, the last little push from the label, basically, before it kind of goes into hiatus for quite a while. I, I think all of the remixes on the remix EP are worse than the originals. I guess they're updated as for, like, the time, because most of the songs are pretty old. There's a remix of Heavy Metal, and there's, um, I forget what the other ones are. But there is a remix of The Legend, and it is even crazier than the original version of The Legend. And had we had the time to play both, I would... But all I will say is, it's fucking absolutely bananas. It's all this, like, surging wild sense, and then it gets into this huge breakdown. It's like, boom, boom. Fuck it. I'll just play it for a sec, just for this little breakdown bit, because it is, like, ridiculous. Who's going to stop us? that a lot and cyborg strip club and it remind it makes me think like listening to it now having had a fair amount of exposure to crossbreed which is you know hardcore techno and drum and bass together it's like oh this is basically just early crossbreed because you've got that kind of gabber hardcore techno dom 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 you know kick drum on top of all this weird filtering and effects and shit so that's pretty cool this ep fetches stupidly high prices and i don't know if it's because of this remix or other people think the other ones are better, but it is one I'd like to have just to have that on wax, but it's also typically like $40, $50 or more, and I'm like, yeah, I don't care that much. RPO boxes, blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 <sighs> Okay. We're not setting up a PO box. We don't even have anything on our OnlyFans yet. Yeah, no. So the next one is Penetration 17. This is the Ruckus, Cryptic Minds, and Leon Switch remix. Like I said, I like this remix better than their Pressure Drop one. Still don't like it as much as the original Ruckus, but I would say it is a very good bringing an older song up to date kind of a thing. And the B-side Replicator is one of, again, of this era. Like, 
easily one of the best Tiger songs. Fucking absolutely massive. And this record kind of fluctuates in price. I bought it at a low point, but I've seen it get really expensive because Cryptic Minds and Leon Switch have a pretty big following. So, would highly recommend. Um, the remix is good, but Replicator, that is a monster. Oh, it also samples Stargate SG-1. Oh, I love Stargate and yeah. SG-1. Yeah. So then we get the next Penetration, 18, which has Lime Wax's Life of Sin remix, which is basically taking a perfect song and making it not perfect. Not a huge fan. Never been a big Lime Wax guy, though, so that might be part of it. If you're a Lime Wax fan, might do it for you. The B-side is this track called Judge. Judge is okay. It's pretty repetitive, and it's got this symbol. It's like, you can't judge me. And it's like, I don't know. Here I am. I feel like I can. Yeah, I feel like I can. And so, I am. And I will. So, you know, this period marks, again, a little bit of a break for me for a couple of years away from this stuff. I then, uh, and, and we're also seeing a lot less frequent releases. So we just, in the last couple 12 inches, went from 2002 to now we're just about to get to 2006. In January of 2006, Haunted and Wraith come out, which are, or I think it's Wrath. I think that might be a typo in my notes. Um, Techage, or Penetration 19, I have in my notes... Haunted is A-plus music for Speedbenders. Pots and Pans drums era. Semi-repetitive, but it goes so fucking hard with its kicks and clangs, I can't deny it. Wraith is less hard and more techy, but has similar pros and cons. So Haunted... Motel Hell does not condone Speedbenders. Yeah. This was... <laughs> I, I heard this for the first time while I was uh, writing my first ever spree of final papers for classes at the end of my first semester of my freshman year. It was during a speed bender and it was quite uh, inspiring. So, Motel does not condone going on speed benders during your finals and papers of your freshman year of college. True. Uh, what's that? We talked about it. Is it Rose or something Rose? That Stephen King haunted house show? Uh, Red Rose? Red Ro no. I think it's Red Rose. Rose Manor? Rose Bly? Rose Red. Rose Red. So this is the one that samples Rose Red. It's it's good house cradles of comforts. Bad houses fill us with instinctive unease. Uh, blah, 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 blah. It's, uh, it's pretty spooky. Oh, this is on my list to play. Let's hear a little bit of it. Good house cradles of comforts. Bad one fills us with instinctive unease. Bad houses hate our warmth, our humanness. That blind hate of our humanity is what we mean when we use the word haunted.
I just have this image in my head of you like walking into like a really spooky haunted house. This song kicks in, <laughs> and then there's just like ghost fucking gabber dancing and shit everywhere. You're like, yo, fucking sick, bro. <laughs> <laughs> fucking love this party, bro. Yeah, that that sounds awesome. Um, I remember hearing this. It was so different. Like, I mean, you remember when I was showing you LED and the other songs with like all the Amen filters uh-huh. and all that stuff, and then you hear this, which is like, it's a little bit more dirtier. If I could be so blunt, um, can you? Can I? <laughs> uh, I mean, I could be blunter, but it, you know, it's not as sophisticated, I would say. And because it taps like increasingly with these penetration records, they, they're like, you know, life of sin, the darkness, the wrath, the demon, like, you know, where before there was more layers of sci-fi and spook, like, but spook under it. Now it's like direct horror movie spook. And, and the, the production feels sometimes less sophisticated, but so when I first heard it, I was like, this is, this is kind of dumb, but then also it goes fucking hard. So I was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm into it. But you know, you, you can hear like the difference with the drums, right? With this, like all this just clangy. Yeah. So I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, I also skipped one song I wanted to play. Uh, I might come back to it maybe when we, we cover some other compilations he was part of, but there is a track called Hunter Seeker, which Samples the original Dune film. Didn't about see that Hunter, coming. Hunter Seeker, yeah. And it's also very similar of this Skull Step era. That's that's from Destruction Ritual, which came out in 2005, which was the inaugural big collaboration LP um, for Tech Freak Recordings, which was uh, Freak Recordings was Dylan's label. Tech, you know, Tech, obviously. We've, and we've talked about that before. That was uh, another one where I heard that song way before it got the official release and was like, this is sick. And by the time the actual album came out, I was like, I don't care. <laughs> so, um, it's the, it, and I think this is true for a lot of people, dance music in general, but especially drum and bass at the time, it was like, you'd get these shitty, low quality MP3 recordings of live sets or internet sets of stuff that hadn't come out yet. And by the time it comes out a year or more later, it's like, you know, you're on to the next however many other records. So it's the downside of the dub plate pressing thing is like as cool as it is to have all this stuff early, uh, you know, you can burn it out for all the people that are going to hear it a million times before the actual records get in the hands of the people. So, yeah. So Tekich then releases Therapy Session dark side of drum and bass on radio records which is i want to say out of poland but maybe it was russia uh this is when he was doing increasingly more of these russian and eastern european dj nights with all the skull step type people as i've seen people say online don't know how true it is but if it wasn't for eastern europe in the later half of the aughts tekich would have gone and died um or at least been not economically viable but that was definitely where all of his stuff had its biggest a lot of his, the most fans, I would say. Thank so. God for Eastern Europe. The first time anyone's ever said that in history. Yeah, especially during this era of Ukrainian invasions and all the rest. Um, so yeah, so then we're at another penetration, and, and a lot of these ones are going to be now penetration records or ascension records, which is his dubstep label we'll get into in a second. And uh, all that. You don't sound so excited anymore, Dick Fetty. <laughs> Raised by evil, backed with demon. Uh, this is good. 
I'm pretty positive I can't find, uh, I don't know if I ever did find it again, but I'm nearly positive demon samples, white zombies uh, track from the Beavis and Butthead uh, soundtrack, the Beavis and Butthead Do American soundtrack, which was called like Rat Finks and something something. It's a bitchin' song, and it's the one that they uh, they hear while they eat peyote in the desert by accident. Yeah, you said samples, white zombie, and I wasn't sure if you were talking about Rob Zombie's original band or the movie. I, yeah, white zombie. No, no, the original band. Yeah. Um, Did we watch white zombie together? No, we have never watched. White I zombie have together. I've seen it. Yeah, I I had a lot of fun watching. it. I was pleasantly surprised. So. Um, but yeah, that that's cool. It's just like very briefly early in the song. But um, then we get another one. Retribution and the Ancients. Uh, MC Jakes is on this on Retribution. It's okay. But again, songs are like less interesting structurally. They're pretty repetitive. First and second drops, if they have them, are not substantially different. They're fine uh, by standards of the era, but, you know, in comparison... Not a huge boner for me. Um, so then we get Ascension Records. So this is 2006. This is basically, you're talking now, Burials put out his first album, Code 9, Mala, Koki, uh, DMZ stuff, like, you know, uh, Digital Mystics, all that, like, is happening, the bug, those kinds of things. So Dubstep has, like, dubstep has taken off it's been genrefied already it's already getting into all these like sub factions and this was an era when a lot of especially long-running dmb guys switched over to doing dubstep because they're like oh it's just drum and bass but at half the speed not actually half the speed but seeming like it's at half the speed it's just a lot of two-step and big bass and it's like we've been doing this for ages and some people did it pretty well but for the most part it it does, I think, to make long-lasting dubstep songs, you have to have a little bit more than just big bass and cymbal drums. And some of the Tekich stuff I do like a lot. Um, Distort and One of Us, which I think is, what, Ascension 3 is a really good one. But this first one, his track is okay, but it's backed with Headhunter, who's a, another guy from Bristol. Uh, it's his song Seventh Curse, which shows up on Apple Blim's Worth the Weight compilation and is a really nice example of early Bristol dubstep. Uh, it definitely outshines Tekich's own work. Uh, One of Us is good, where it's just like, it's got like a nice low slung beat. And of all the Ascension records, I would I'd recommend probably that. And um, Digitally Ascended Volume 2 the most. But yeah. Uh, Retribution, Audio Remix, Hex, Gyne Remix, Penetration 22. We're now at 2007, and I have Let's Make Good Tracks Worse, the 12-inch, as my notes. <laughs> so, Don't worry, guys. We only have a little bit more than a decade left. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I said, that there's going to be a big hiatus here. And also, I just don't have notes on some of this stuff, so we're going to be we're going to be blasting through the rest of this pretty quick. Uh, we finally get to... These are now... We're into the last two of the penetration records. So the, the the sort of like last regularly available one is 23, which is Cold Blood and Alone. And this is one record I really wish I had. Cold Blood is, as I describe it, frantic pots and pans ditty that's short but very effective. And Alone is slower and longer but is very strong in its own right. And 
these are these are like especially uh cold blood is like it's got this like almost horror strings and very fast like boom 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 all this drum shit getting wild um they're, they're like five minutes though and when you're coming out of having these eight minute songs it's you know a little jarring good good record good record uh you get another ascension which is called metal then we get the the uh the 50th plague and it's funny because we just watched blade 2 and i finally figured out what the art was from and it's hard to say because i still think it could be doom 3 but basically on the front You got this guy, and I'm pretty sure that's the bad guy from Blade 2. It's close, but he doesn't have the, the like, worm mouth coming out. He does. I think it's just the way that it's stylized printed. I'm not near positive it's that guy, because he's bald and all the rest. Originally, I thought it was one of the imps or demons from Doom 3, but I think... I think it might be from Blade 2. But either way, so this was the 50th release on Tekich Recordings. It came out in uh, May of 2007. It does have an MC Jake's feature on it. And it's oddly expensive now. Uh, I would say, so these are my notes. All the songs are great for the first half, then basically just repeat for the second. The lack of dynamics or evolution is disappointing, but I've grown to enjoy the relentless single-minded natureness of nature of these tracks not a classic per se but the height of dark pots and pans russian influence hellness and undercity are my favorites of the two so i've got undercity here as note for play what year did this come out uh 2005 seven seven hmm. what years played two well, no, because um, the vampires from The Strain look almost exactly the same. Oh, yeah. So. And it also kind of looks like Dead Space, but not as... Dead Space came out after this, right? Yeah, I think so. But needless to say, it's the guy's face is, like, split open. It's kind of like the Predator, except for instead of having, like, the four claws and then, like, those... It's just, like, his whole face is split open. He's got a bunch of teeth. He's all like, ah, I'm so angry. I'm going to play a little bit of Undercity. And, again, this is... I really like this track, but the, the unfortunate part is it's almost seven minutes long, and it's basically just the same thing. There are two, like, breakdown parts, but then it just goes back into being more or less the same thing. Still really dig it, and I really dig the breakdown itself, but, uh, yeah, the, the this whole, in general, kind of, like, dark, heavy horror influence starts to get taken away, and then when we get into the digital era very shortly, it's, like, almost completely scrubbed off for, like, way more tech-steppy space imagery, but, um, so in some ways I now miss it, but at the time I was like, this is dumb, and, you know... I guess the point is nobody can ever be happy about anything. You definitely can't. No. So this is Undercity.
I'm just obsessed with trying to figure out where this monster came from now. Sure. Because it all it all makes sense in my brain now. Because Guillermo del Toro did did Blade Two. Mm. He also did The Strain. They both have the same split mouth vampire. This predates that. How? That's definitely a vampire. Yeah. Sorry. It's also like the Resident Evil Five Zombos whose face splits. Except for this is three splits instead of four. That's definitely a vampire. Yeah. Look at them eyes. Yeah. Sorry, off topic, guys. No, it's on topic. We're still on this. But, yeah, so, I mean, like, that track is good. It's just, it's not, I don't know. It, I don't know. I really, I don't know. It's it's hard to, like, you know, if I'm, if I'm putting aside my expectations of, like, wildly twisted drum programming, then it's way more enjoyable. But, you know, and I have a lot of, there's so much tagage material that delivers that. So it's like, on the one hand, I don't want to stifle, you know, say an artist should just keep doing one thing. Yeah. But, and it definitely isn't like there's many other hard drum and bass tracks that have that kind of level of atmosphere and all the rest. I mean, there were other people at the time doing this, but it's, it's still, it's a very solid release. I don't think it necessarily demands some of the wild secondary prices it goes for now, but I would recommend uh, that's followed by Ascension 5, Winter, Backed with Stonebreaker. Then we get Tekich uh, 51, which is Claw and Hidden Faces. I would say this is a, a very dubstep-influenced two-steppers and one of my most listened-to later Tekich releases. I'm going to very briefly play Claw, uh, just because it's got like dubstep, acid, two-step, the whole thing. And then we're going we're gonna to get, get done.
So I saw your bobbing your head to that one. Yeah. It's it's those squiggly, oh, yeah. the squiggly acid bits to me, even when everything else is like the same, add so much because of their inherent like interesting arpeggiated patterns, bubbly sort of like sci-fi squiggles. But that just like so ugly, like, you know, feels like it could be in a sci-fi, like sort of video game, kind of uh, alien spooky sound. But yeah, that, that, that one fucking romps, like really big fan and just sort of kind of no fanfare. And again, dropping a lot of that horror trappings, just call claw, hidden faces, no spooky art, no spooky samples, just, just techie, like, you know, let's see. We've got another Ascension, Seven and Sin. Uh, there's You Need Therapy, which is another mix from his therapy session stuff, which is Eastern European DJing. Then there's Shadow Revisited, which is, uh, I think, let's see. I don't even understand what's on this anymore, but not a record I have or have heard. This is on Big Rhythm. It's like one of these sort of fancy re-release old songs with new remixes none of it's very good why did they do that kind of thing yeah then it's soul stone and the kill another ascension record another dubstep one death jazz vip which is from the 50 the 50th plague which is actually i have to say a really good like vip of death jazz uh, i think better than the original back to devil's house uh i was supposed to it's funny, I bought a different Tekich record, then the guy couldn't find it, then he was going to send me this instead. Then he did find the other record, so he didn't send me this one. So, I'm still going to buy this at some point. Idiot. And, alright, so, Last Penetration comes out, it's only ever a white label, I finally picked it up. Racist. Earlier this year, it is Pressure Drop 2009, which is a very, feels like, unfinished, sort of quick remix really good uh it's got like this kind of clomping two-step and all that but the real highlight is cracking core techage vip which is originally by lime wax off of his ep that came out i think it was his first ep on techage recordings which at one point i had bought just to get the original because i couldn't get my hands on this remix but then eventually got this i heard this remix in a live set that dylan did when he was living in Philly and doing heavy bag radio, which would be these like two hour long DJ sets. And I was like, holy fucking shit. And, uh, it was in my sophomore year of college. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. Heard it live when it came out. I was like, oh shit. So I'm going to play that for a sec. And then we are about to bang through an entire page of bullshit. So. Inside, inside, inside. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
where like the songs themselves are percussively structured like it's just like dun 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 lots of like all this everything rides on the rhythm rather than the synths carrying it which is cool and was part of why i was just like oh fucking hard nut so this is when all the skull step shit was just like that was pretty much all that that show was when i heard it and was just like oh Whoa, I Whoa. think i like this yeah so there's some like current value remixes and switch technique and uh, a couple Limewax tracks I actually liked. And then we get into the Digital Age. So we get Digitally Ascended Volume 1, which is a dubstep uh, release on uh, Techage Digital. Then we get The Cleansing Fire. And until I... I will point out when we get into some actually released stuff. But I think for the next... It's now 2009... I think it's like six or seven years before we start to actually get uh, some some hard copies. So, uh, yeah, so Digitally Ascended Volume 1, the Cleansing Fire EP, which is where stuff just suddenly becomes this very clean tech step. Digitally Ascended Volume 2, which does have an amazing song called Acid Mallet, which is very repetitive, like acid dubstep. But still really good. I have a very fond memory of tripping on these weird butt drugs in Russia in a forest, listening to it, and just sort of wandering off and being like, damn, these butt drugs are nuts. But um, No, they're butts. <laughs> then there's the <laughs> The Stranger Destroys come out, comes out in 2011, and Chimera, backed with Take You, is a digital 12-inch, or a digital, like, single comes out right after that these were some of the songs i was like listening to this i'm like oh yeah tech itch you know but i'm i'm well past when i was really a drum and bass guy and at this point i'm balls deep into noise balls deep into black metal like and drum and bass is not really on my radar and i would listen here and there you know take butt drugs whatever but mostly just you know especially the fact that they weren't getting releases physically like just not not doesn't feel like you own it like you have stake in it you know technically you don't yeah so then there's the dungeon master guide version of the hand uh which comes out which had been out for a long time and came out when the dungeon Dun dungeon master guide cd by tech had come out but that's just a redone version of uh penetration 14's big song then there's one nation over god uh i don't think i've ever even heard that Digital Rollage, Volume 1 on Gorilla Recordings. This is now 2012. Then we get to the Failed Evolution and the Machined Mind EP, which are sort of still of this very clean tech-step style, but where The Stranger Destroys has some cool sense, or Chimera has cool sense, but like really weak, very, very basic drum patterns. We're getting back to some Amen territory, some heavier stuff. Field Evolution's like, okay, but, you know, not not enough to pull me back in. Then there's um, there's uh, his remix of Everything by the Panacea, 
and Simization 2013. Simization was a song from the Tech Freak days, gets a new version. Uh, you know, again, okay, whatever. Then we start getting these big mixes every like year or two from Techage Recordings, digital stuff, uh, dubs from the Lair Studio Mix, which basically showcases all this material that's going to be released. Uh, it's pretty cool, but still a product of the things that were happening at the time. And then we get three albums back to back. And I remember when these came out, this was early in my sobriety. And I remember listening to them at Jared's house and just being like, it's cool that it's three albums, but like, I don't know that it needs to be three albums. I mean, they're like long, full ass albums and they're long where like Diagnostics feels like an actual album. You've got mostly, you know, heavy, could be dance floor stuff, but enough like weird things that you're like, okay, this is a home listening experience. These are just, you know, 10 pseudo club cuts that are only on digital and they mostly didn't really wow me at the time. This was followed by the Seeds, Seed of Design Studio Mix, which is better and uh, has Seed of Design EP on it, as well as some of the remixes from Progression Threat, which is the triple album. And that's followed by the Progression Threat VIP, which eventually actually got a 12-inch uh, release. Now, that was frustrating, again, because the it's a white label, white sleeve, and you get six songs in the VIP, but only four of them are on vinyl. Because I think we talked about this previously, where yeah. as time went on, it was like, oh, the vinyl ver like the digital version's ten songs, the vinyl version's four. And it's like and it costs fifty dollars with shipping. And it's like, holy shit. I did eventually buy this. I do like it a lot. The it is like wildly compressed and dirty in a certain sense. Like it's it's when things go too far digitally. Yeah. But I also kind of like it, so I can't bitch too much. <laughs> uh, it's definitely grown on me. I, I want to play a little bit of My Being, but the My Being VIP, but we're, we're just running out of time, so I would recommend checking that one out. This, this, it is the nice thing about it is six songs cold from three albums all but one are pretty much the best songs from those albums, so I can't be mad about the selection. Uh, and it does some cool and weird shit. The drums are mostly not as interesting or chopped up or all the rest, but like way more emphasis on heavy Amen stuff. There are a lot of rollers in the triple albums, but you miss all that. Seed of Design picks up from there, goes even harder. Uh, this is the one, yes. Yes, this has Voodoo Mayan on it, which is like 10 minutes long. It's obscene. It's way too long. We're going to play the whole the, thing. The buildup is so long, but it's also really good. And also, he brings back all this Amen, Treyman, whatever, like cut up fucking drum shit. And I'm happy. I, I got this digital EP when it first came out, and then I got the, the vinyl version. It was like, okay. Okay, I'm back on board. I'm back on fucking board. So let me show you this because this is like, this is the best version of doing a modern take on like these these smashers from the early penetration era.
You can put that. You can put that. That's very much my speed. Yeah. The the they're just like perfectly like hoodoo hoodoo like and then the drop uh, it takes just we we're just laughing like three plus minutes to get to the first drop. It's like quite the build up. And as Ben said, I don't have anything better to do because I'll be playing video games while I listen to this. Yeah, it's is, it, you're either driving in your car yes, exactly. or playing a video game that doesn't require you to read or much thought other yeah. than point shoot, and shoot. Shoot, kill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's all true. That's all very true. I rem- I have distinct memories of being the dead of winter driving to Riverton for a meeting listening to this being like... Yeah, mm-hmm. this isn't like the thing you put on when you need to crank one out really quick right before no. work. No. No. Uh, and I barely have time for that anymore. But, um, yeah, so I was really pleased with Seed of Design. It also harkens back to the... Uh, not so much Parallax, but like Immortal Soul and all the other kind of abstract digital art of the early 2000s, Diogenie piece, stuff like that. And uh, it might even be the same artist. I think I looked it up, but of course now it's been so long since I did this initial research. But it's it's really classy. And this is also, basically this whole digital era starts what is a largely uniform uh, in a good way, though, feeling of, like, this is what Tekich releases look like now. A lot of, like, very crisp digital art. There's now more, I would say, more refined and interesting digital art happening. But I like all of it, and it very much fits the style of the music. So, this one pulled me back in. Then there's the Destiny and Purpose VIP and Creature of War VIP, which are uh, single-song, like, VIP releases... And then Failed Evolutionary Experiment, which is, I think, actually, I could have sworn that came out. No, that came out after Seed of Design. Not Those aren't my favorite. They're not bad, but they're, they did not hit nearly as hard. And then I got my next one that also just brought me back into drum and bass. So this is, I talked about this record when we did our, like, decade overview, and we mm-hmm. got to 2016. But this is Souls of Impatience. And it samples the Constantine TV show that was came out somewhat recently in the UK. Which um, was actually pretty good. That's what I heard. And um, on the first track, and then the, the one, the track I'm going to play, Different Eyes, is especially noteworthy because the amens on it are so compressed and distorted. It's like, it sounds like a bad mastering error almost, but in a fucking awesome and interesting way. And yeah, this was this was the track that was like, what's happening with drum and bass today? And then I shortly thereafter got into Pessimist, Overlook, Homemade Weapons, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, kind of fanned out for a minute, checked out all sorts of things. And then, well, we know where we wound up with UVB 76. So uh, can't go an episode without mentioning them. It's it's a requirement per our contract sponsorship deal where we get nothing and we constantly talk about how good Moto they are. Hell subtitle UVB seventy six appreciation post. Yes, exactly.
Yeah, so again, fucked up sounding drums, lots of drum switches. Some of the other songs in the EP have less of a percussive focus, but it, in general, I would say it's a, like an easy 4, 4.5 out of 5 or 9 out of 10 for me. Maybe maybe 8.5 out of 10, something like that. But um, that, that track is just, it's like slow, low slung, like just dirty. I just got slapped with how we used to rate movies earlier in the podcast. Ah, uh, yeah. When you said 4.5 out of, out of 5, and I was like, 6.8 skulls out of... <laughs> Three dicks yeah. divided by two. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't want to overly harp on that. I will say that I think it's a really excellent, perfect DP. And the digital version, it's worth having both because the digital version has an extra track. We then get live from the lair. We then get the resistance uh, CD, which starts a series of compilations on Techich, and then it's Phoenix backed with Tears and Rain on Domin Roland Productions, which is a split between Domin Roland and him. Uh, that's like a weird. Uh, I think it's Phoenix is the Techich track, and it's like a weird mashup of a bunch of older Techich tracks. It feels like didn't do it for me since I've been listening for so long as I could just rather listen to the originals uh digitally ascended volume three never heard it but the last of the dubstep stuff and then third state consciousness which we listened to on the way up to the bachelor party mm -hmm. and is really nice uh a lot of those songs have been released on the resistance compilation since um and some of them i I'm guessing have not, but that's a really solid like single artist mix and would highly recommend that. Uh, then we get a throwback death trip 95 and a far place on deep jungle. This is again, one of these boutique labels reissuing classic jungle stuff for prices that almost make it just worth buying the original. It's fucking ridiculous. But uh, death trip was that one that was like, stop the death clock client. Everybody must death. You know, remember from the first episode. Yeah. But um, then he started doing like wide release dub plates. I think that they're they're basically made to order, but with like a sort of pre order period, and that's all the ones that get pressed. And they've got mostly like pretty massive ripping kinds of tracks. Uh, you've got. Uh, well, plate one, then it's unified field theory mix, which I haven't heard. Plate two, plate three. Uh, and then there's two or three since then. They're good, but they're really expensive if you're not in the UK. And, you know, our exchange rate's always bad. And then on top of that, it's like months waiting. It's just not something I can afford uh, to get the physical copies of. They are cool tracks, for sure. Um... And if you feel like, you know, you want to start with something more modern or just check out shit on Bandcamp, it's a great way to do it because all this stuff is up on Bandcamp, all this newer stuff. But we then get to 2020. And right at the beginning of the pandemic, we were graced with the new Tegich album, which came out on the 20th of March, 2020. So uh, it was called Find Your Darkness, which was an order we all followed. And um, I would say... It's definitely better than any of the progression threat stuff. It gets into like a lot more kind of weird tech steppy stuff. It feels more like an album, but it has not fully connected with me. But for 
the title track, which is a classic, very heavy, acid line running throughout. Really nice track. That's going to be our last play for tonight. So rather than put that on now, I'm going to finish up the, the wrap up here and then we'll just play that full track to play out. Wrap it up. Something Dick Petty has never done. You know me well. You know me well. Soon I'll never have to do it again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because they're taking your balls. Yep. So that brings us to... We will be auctioning them off. Yeah. Only fans. Uh... Then our final, although, you know, it's funny because, again, I did this, I think I did this in the fall or early beginning of this year, and I know there's at least one more release, but there's the Another Life in Melt 12-inch, which we talked about on the show previously on Overshadow, which is the sort of, like, new version of Moving Shadow, which is kind of releasing, again, kind of these cottage industry boutique 12-inches. It's really good. Uh, not... Not as good as some of the other newer stuff, but it is really good. Would recommend to get if you can get for a reasonable price. I'm glad I picked it up. Uh, and I and I have to say, like, I want to end with, in general, there are not many artists, especially in the electronic fields, especially in, like, still largely dance-oriented fields that I think can stay relevant and interesting for as long as Tekich has. I think that the drum and bass formula is ultimately pretty restricting because you're talking about dance music with certain kinds of expectations. And while we've seen with UVB 76 and a lot of these other labels that sort of make drum and bass, that's not drum and bass anymore. Um, you know, typically taking on much bigger techno influences. Uh, there are a lot of new places to go. And I, I, part of me really wishes Techich would kind of explore these avenues of like incorporating more industrial or like dark techno or, you know, those kinds of thoughtful and uh, interesting stuff. Or what a lot of like overlooked pessimists, you know, and a lot of those guys have done too, also feels like pulling from an era right before Techich got crazy, um, or like was doing lots of releases in the late nineties and like pulled from that source direct Ed rush, you know, uh, kind of intelligent, but dark drum and bass, um, and, and combining those things together. I think that there's, there's a lot of as restrictive as DMB can drum and bass can be. I think that there's still a lot of room to experiment. And I hope, I hope Techage keeps going because, um, I still am always interested and perk up my ears to see what's coming out. I think that for me personally, the, the toughest part about all this is that, um, you know, CDs are getting released. Uh, they're actually pro press CDRs, but they're not actual CDs. They're getting released at like a lower price than a full CD would. But I just don't understand why you don't have to spend the extra couple of dollars to make them regular CDs then. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Um, CDs nuts. You got me. Uh, but so it's like I'm not as enticed to buy the CDs. And then the vinyl versions are typically like these abridged versions of albums that I might want everything from. But they're prohibitively expensive to get in the U.S. There's no distribution and they're not the full thing. So it's like I'm left with a variety of options. Like none of them just meet that <laughs> single, you know, need and then there's, I think, is it Voyager? Like, there's some people on the Techage label that are, I think it's Voyager, who's like, I listened to his two albums, and I'm like, oh, these these literally just straight up sample 
sounds and parts of songs from old drum and bass that like I grew up listening to. And I'm like, if I didn't know this, I'd be like, this is amazing. But I'm like, oh, this is just like stealing with extra steps. And so, you know, it's not all to my taste. It doesn't all blow me away, but I'm happy he continues. It continues to be there. He's still running a label, bringing in new talent. Uh, There is a lot of really good stuff, but you know, I'm pretty critical having been listening now for 20 plus years and you know i want to see great things continue to happen so with that i'm gonna play out with find your darkness thank you guys for joining us on this very slow to complete series but i hope that you know even despite some of my negativity today i've inspired you to check out the massive bouvoir that is techich and you know find some records you like so yeah, hopefully we will get to be more consistent again since I have a more consistent Why schedule. Even... Let I... me finish because I like to promise things. Uh-huh. We're like politicians with this podcast. We promise things and don't deliver. But no, hopefully we will be more consistent. We might not be. I We do have some more episodes planned. Uh, we will be starting a third podcast called uh, Twink Peaks. Uh subtitle to by curious men dissect the twin peaks series through a miasma of sexual tension Mm -hmm. um that will definitely be coming and i'm definitely not making that up yeah and look forward to uh just so many pictures of dick fetty's butthole on our OnlyFans. perfect well now we have no obligations to worry about so no so yeah, so that's that's it for us and uh, later nerds. Later nerds.
Thank <laughs> you.